My mom believed in Christmas trees, in artificial Christmas trees. That's right. In fact, we had a silver tree. It looked like a giant slinky is what it looked like. But mom had this color wheel that she put behind it. And as the wheel spun, the colored cellophane brought across the light bulb. And it painted the tree green and then blue and then red and then yellow. It wasn't real authentic, but it was a Christmas tree. The only Christmas tree that I knew for many years. That is until my dad got the hankering for a real, bona fide, forest-grown, God-created, evergreen tree. He had to convince mom that we would keep it watered so the needles wouldn't shed onto the floor. But I'll never forget that Christmas tree. It was six feet tall, green as grass, beautiful, and its fresh scent filled the house. In fact, the tree came complete with a root ball. And when Christmas was over that year, Dad permanently retired the tree right there in the middle of our front yard. He planted it in the yard. Not long ago, I drove past the old home place and I saw our former Christmas tree. The old neighborhood is run down now. The house we bought new is in shambles. The garage my dad built out back has been torn down. There's little sodded grass left in the front yard. But that tree... That evergreen tree was still there, man, and it was huge. That six-footer towered 45 feet high, straight and tall. According to my best guess, it's been 40-some-odd years since Dad planted that Christmas tree in the middle of our yard. Everything around that tree had deteriorated, but the tree itself had remained healthy and strong and productive. And our former Christmas tree is a metaphor for what God desires for your life and for my life. The world that we live in today is run down. It's a dilapidated neighborhood. Every year the decay just increases. If the Lord tarries, this world will become darker, more violent, more evil. And yet in the midst of this fallen world, God wants you and I to grow To grow stronger and taller and straighter and more productive as individual Christians and as a church. In fact, we find this same metaphor here in Psalm chapter 1. Listen to the psalmist's first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I don't want to bark at you this morning or pine away too much at you today or go too fur out on the limb Or talk like a nut. But hey, no one leaves today. Until we all realize that God wants this church, He wants you and me to be like a tree. The psalmist begins, blessed is the man. The Hebrew word translated blessed means happy, 
prosperous. But what makes this word so unique is that it's in the plural. A more literal translation would be, happy, happy, happy is this man. The person with more blessings than he can handle is like a tree. And God wants that person to be you and to be me. This past Wednesday, I met a real-life tree doctor, an arborist. He became quite wealthy, nursing sick trees back to health. Well, last week, he treated a group of pastors and their wives to dinner at his house. He blessed us all. This tree doctor, he lives on the South Carolina coast, and he told us of the big bucks investors pay for these old, elegant oak trees they like on their property. They hire him to protect their investment. He was talking about how he injected the trees with steroids. I only thought only baseball players got steroids. But But he injects the trees with steroids and he has an assortment of other remedies that he uses to keep them healthy. But you know, it made me think, God too is an arborist. He wants healthy trees. He wants you and I and he wants this church to be like a strong and sturdy tree. When you look closely at this metaphor in Psalm 1, you'll see three concerns. God is concerned about a person's roots. Their shoots and then their fruits. And like a tree doctor, God has treatment for each aspect of a tree's health. As for roots, He wants us positioned properly. As for shoots, He wants us progressing continually. And as for fruits, he wants us productive annually. Healthy followers of Jesus are like a tree. They're positioned properly. And they're progressing continually. And they're productive annually. And this is going to be our topic for each of our wonderful Sundays. Shoots, fruits, and this morning, roots. You see, you don't have to be a tree doctor to know the importance of roots. Anybody who's ever tried to grow anything in their front yard understands the health of the root system will determine the vitality of the plant. And Psalm 1 tells us that the healthy person, as well as the healthy church, belongs to the person who has properly positioned their roots for growth. Notice verse 3, the blessed man is planted by the rivers of water. You'll find shrubs in the desert. But you'll find the strongest and the tallest trees next to a source of water. The psalmist is telling us that the blessed man, the happy, happy, happy person, is the man or the woman or the family that has strategically positioned themselves next to resources that will cause them to grow and prosper. Realize in all arenas, proper positioning matters. The success of a business depends on how well it positions itself in the marketplace. Its branding and its price points and its channels of distribution all come into play. A victorious politician is the candidate who was able to properly position himself in the minds of the voters. And oh, position certainly matters in sports. In basketball, the player who gets the rebound isn't necessarily the taller person or the person who can jump the highest. No, it's the player who can get the best position. A football player can be big and fast, but if he's out of position, he's not going to make the play. And likewise, in your spiritual life, 
If you want to grow healthy, you need to plant yourself in the right spot. Position matters. The blessed man makes a deliberate decision to position he and his family near godly resources and influences. He or she avoids the way of the wicked and sinks their roots alongside spiritual nourishment. This is important. If you haven't noticed, the world that we live in today is not entirely sympathetic to our cause. Just watch a few MTV videos and you'll conclude quickly that the producer's goal isn't to raise the standard of righteousness in our society. Perk up your ears in the lunchroom at work. And the conversation isn't encouraging people to love God. Hang out in the locker room at the fitness center. And the chit-chat isn't likely to enhance pure thoughts. The psalmist tells us that the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the blessed person is careful about who they listen to, who they linger with, And who they laugh at. You need to realize this truth. I'm going to come back to it several times this morning. Lives are not shaped by mysterious forces. Lives are shaped by deliberate choices. And that includes your life. The counsel you listen to. The people you linger with. The amusements you laugh at. All combine to shape the kind of person that you and those under your roof will eventually become. How you position your life really does matter. You see, I don't care how strong you are. If you stand in the middle of a raging river long enough, that current will eventually pull you under. Likewise, listen to ungodly counsel, and you'll eventually begin to make ungodly choices. Entertain yourself with sinful stuff, and you'll eventually lose your appetite for the good and godly. Sit in the seat of the scornful and you'll turn caustic and toxic toward others. I once invited a friend to church, he and his family. He told me he'd come and I'll never forget the reason he gave. He said, Sandy, I really want to expose my girls to the right kind of influences. That's a really smart dad. He understands that position matters. Why do you think outfielders move a little left or a little right with each batter? They have scouting reports on the hitter's tendency that places them in the optimum position for where he usually hits the ball. Position matters. An employee positions himself for that promotion. A man who wants to get married positions himself to support a family and meet the right kind of woman. And if you're serious about growing spiritually, you have to position you and your family around the things of God. You have to walk with people who walk with God. You have to stand with folks who are strong enough to lean on. You have to hang out with people who are hanging on to God. Listen to the right counsel. Linger with the right people. Laugh with the folks who are really having fun. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just drift with the tides of this world with what's popular. Guys, toilet paper goes with the flow. Not flourishing, healthy Christians. A wise person chooses to properly position their life. Now understand, a tree isn't a bush. It's not an annual. 
You don't move a tree once it sinks its roots. Plant a tree and it stays put. That's why before you plant a tree, you need to give serious thought to where it belongs. When you walk out this afternoon on the back lawn, you'll notice the river birches on the sides of the lawn. You'll probably camp out under one of them to guard yourself from the sun. They make for great shade trees. But understand, they haven't always been there. We planted those trees as baby sprigs. In fact, we spent hours trying to figure out where they would best be positioned so that they could serve us for the events that we have like today. And this is how the blessed man thinks. He doesn't act randomly. He considers the best position, the optimum position for his family so that they can gain a sense of permanence and belonging. Vance Packard once referred to America as a nation of strangers. We're a group in which everyone assumes they're the misfit. They're the square peg in the round hole. Today, rather than a single minority feeling out of place, everyone sees themselves as an outsider in our society. I have no doubt this is how some of you feel at Calvary Chapel. I mean, you've been coming for months, but you still think of yourself as the new guy or the new gal. This morning, you were hoping that that person in front of you had turned around and struck up a conversation. But here's what you don't realize. Even though that person in front of you has been coming for months, they see themselves as the new guy or the new gal. And they were hoping that you would strike up a conversation with them. I think sometimes we're a church of strangers. A recent Gallup poll found that four out of every ten Americans admit to frequent feelings of intense loneliness. How can that be when we're surrounded by so many people? Americans are the loneliest people in the world. I have a book entitled Bowling Alone. It's not really about bowling. It does note, though, that bowling in America is up. It's becoming more popular. People love to bowl. But participation in traditional bowling leagues is down. People want to bowl, but they don't want to bowl in a league. The reason? Folks are bowling alone. It's a symptom of the isolation that we feel toward one another. You know, this is why beer commercials don't sell beer. They sell fellowship, community. Nobody ever drinks alone. There's always a group of exciting and beautiful and jovial and caring people jumping around, having the time of their lives. You see, the advertisers are playing on our deep-seated longing for belonging. They just don't show all the hangover symptoms that occur the next morning. Hey, I believe God created the church for such a time as this. If ever there were a people group with the motivation to push beyond the separation and form meaningful connections with others, it's the church. For think about it. Our Lord died not only to reconcile us to God, but to reconcile us to one another. Jesus told us in John 13 verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love. One for another. We don't need a round of Heineken's to enjoy each other. Ephesians 5 verse 18 tells us, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit will love one another. And they'll find ways 
to build bridges. This is why a recent Gallup poll caused me to weep. It revealed that the vast majority of Americans believe that you can be a, quote, good Christian without ever joining or attending a local church. That is terribly naive and very unbiblical. That's like telling a teenager that you can be part of the family, but you don't have to do any chores, son. And you can just come and go as you like. There's no accountability. That's not how it worked in my house. A family shares responsibilities and spends time together. That's part of being a family. And that's also part of being a church. You know, it's a sad indictment on the church today that most of us can quote John 3, verse 16. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. But few of us could quote 1 John 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Think of it. How can we truly belong to Christ without belonging and connecting to the body of Christ? In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, Paul says of the churches of Macedonia, he says, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Did you hear that? Did you hear the nature of their commitment? Their commitment to God was in two phases. They gave themselves to Jesus and then they gave themselves to one another. I know you've given yourself to God, but have you given yourself to a body of believers? To a church? Have you said in your heart, this is where God wants me? This is where I belong? This is where I'm going to give of my time and my talents and my efforts and my money? I'm going to give it to this church. I belong here. This is what God desires for all of us. Many of us have forgotten that the Christian life is more than just believing. It also includes belonging. Let me clear up a misconception that you might have made about our church. Just because we don't have a formal and institutional membership, a process for membership, doesn't mean that we don't value the idea of church membership. In fact, the word membership is biblical. It's of Christian origin. It's the world that's watered down its meaning. Today, when you hear the word membership, you think of doling out dues or adhering to silly rituals and traditions like wearing green jackets or signing up on a form, or even secret handshakes and initiations, stuff like that. Membership has become synonymous with a dusty old role. And yet when the Bible talks about membership, it's not referring to a legal or an institutional compliance. The Bible speaks of membership in organic terms, living terms. Paul writes, we are many members, but one body. He sees us as functioning organs, Within a living body. I read this week that even with modern technology, a liver can only survive 16 hours outside of the human body. you got 16 hours to get it transplanted. They say the best liver transplants occur when they uh, happen within 12 hours. My point is, pluck your liver out of your body and it won't last long. It'll shrivel up and die. Unless it's connected with the bigger body. And the same is true with a Christian who ostracizes themselves from the church. To live, to really live, we have to be attached to the rest of the body. On occasion, I receive a letter from one of you. 
several years ago, someone wrote me. I remember that first Sunday I visited Calvary Chapel. As a new Christian, I was in search of a church where I could learn more about God, worship Him, and serve Him. When I heard you teach, I felt the message was especially for me. I had tears of joy through the entire service. I knew God had led me to Calvary Chapel. And this is how you become attached to a church. You can walk an aisle. You can sign a card. You can sign this or sign that. And it'll never produce that sense of belonging. It takes God speaking to your heart. This is where you belong. This is where I want you. This is where I want you to drop anchor. I want you to grow with these folks. You see, when membership is institutionalized... When you take the pledge or when you perform the ritual, it's a done deal. That's it. It's over. But when God speaks to your heart, this is where I want you. That then becomes the first step in an ongoing journey where you adapt and where you grow and where you get to know. And when you get involved, you haven't just joined a club. You're now part of a family. And that's God's desire for all of us. This is what today is for, as a matter of fact. We want you to take that next step and deepen your connection with other people in this fellowship. I like the phrase the psalmist uses for membership. He says, planted by the rivers. That's a synonym for membership. The word planted and membership, these words go together. Have you ever planted flowers or a bush or a tree? It's a messy and dirty job, isn't it? You have to dig a hole. Then you uncover the root ball. And then you turn over the clay. And then you add some potting soil. And then you nestle in the roots. And then you pat it all down. And you know, you're big boys, you're big girls. You know that this is what happens when you dare to get involved with people. It also is a messy job. Sadly, this is why some of you stay on the fringes. It's easier to stay aloof than it is to be involved. Whenever you connect wires with people, sparks fly. There'll be some misunderstandings. You'll brush up against somebody and get dented. Or your feelings might get hurt. Conflict occurs when people get together and nobody likes conflict. Some people would just rather side, you know, move aside. Once the New England Pipe Cleaning Company was hired by the city of Revere, Massachusetts to clean out a clogged sewer line. It was messy work, as you could imagine, cleaning out a clogged sewer line. But in addition to the normal expected sludge, the workers found 61 rings, some vintage coins, some expensive silverware, and some other treasure. And the workers were allowed to keep it. Why? Well, partly because nobody else wanted to clean it up. But the financial bonanza illustrates what happens in church relationships. Oh yes, they're messy. But if you're willing to put up with a little mess and a little of that inconvenience, you can discover some real treasure. Yes, you can. Did you hear about the porcupine debate? Yep, the porcupine debate. Two porcupine friends named Willie and Bill were talking one day of porcupine eels. Said Willie to Bill with a sorrowful moan, Isn't it sad we all live alone? The animals shun us. I have not a friend. Please tell me, Bill, oh, what is our sin? Oh, don't sweat it, my friend, said Porcupine Bill. It isn't your sin, it's just your sharp quills. 
We live all alone. That's just how it goes. Because no one wants quills in the end of their nose. I've got it, said Willie. The answer I know, I'd rather have friends. So my quills got to go. But Bill exclaimed, it doesn't make sense. Without your sharp quills, you'll have no defense. Willie thought and he thought, but he couldn't decide. Should he give up his quills or save his own hide? And then in a flash, he decided with glee, I'll pull out my quills in the trunk of a tree. With all his might, he ran at the trunk and into the bark when his quills with a thunk. His quills all came out in the trunk of a tree. And Willie exclaimed, at last I am free. Free to be eaten, said Bill in disgust. You'll find out real soon there's none you can trust. But Willie said firmly, I must leave my cage. I'd rather risk friendship than die of old age. Far into the night, they debated the matter. Live safely alone or make someone fatter? The porcupine question remains to this day. Is it outreach or safety? Which one do you say? Hey, let me tell you that with God, there's no debate here. Just look to Jesus. Look at Jesus. There was nothing safe about his descent into this world. It was daring and dangerous and eventually got him killed. But the Son of God loved us enough to become vulnerable. And expect the same from those who follow Him. We all should put outreach before safety. We all should risk reaching out. Stepping out to love another person. The feel of the quills is God's will for us. One summer our family vacationed in Northern California. And we visited those famous redwood groves. You know, redwoods are the largest trees on the planet. All six of us, linking hands together, could, couldn't wrap ourselves around one of those incredible trees. We made it about halfway around the tree. But the real shocker was to learn that the colossal redwoods have relatively shallow roots. Rather than grow deep, the roots of a redwood reach out. The strength to support a giant redwood comes from the roots of one tree interlocking with the other trees in the grove. That's why redwoods grow in groves. And Christians are like redwoods. They too grow best in groves. Our spiritual strength requires the intertwining of our lives with one another. As a matter of fact, have you ever noticed in the New Testament all the one another commands? It's full of one another commands. Here's a few examples. Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Greet one another. Honor one another. Serve one another. Admonish one another. Accept one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Teach one another. Bear with one another. Be devoted to one another. And on and on it goes. But you can't obey any of these commands without first connecting and forming a relationship with another. If you just come to church and then head home and never try to get involved, you'll never be all that God desires for you. You see, often Christians stunt their own growth and without realizing it, minimize their usefulness by bailing out too quickly on a church. Oh, church life, it invariably causes pain and hurt. If you haven't been hurt yet in this church, you haven't been around very long. None of us are perfect. 
We're bound to disappoint you at some point. And the tendency for a hurt person is to run and hide. And for some of us, this means escaping to another church. I know Christians that have jumped from church to church to church. You know, we posture this as a fault of the modern Christian. But no, this is as old as the church itself. It's more due to our natural tendencies than it is our modern inclinations. There was a 4th century church father who wrote this. If a trial with other people comes upon you in the place where you live, do not leave that place when the trial comes. Wherever you go, you will find that what you are running from is ahead of you. So stay until the trial is over, so that if you end up leaving, no offense will be caused, and you will not bring distress to others who live in the same neighborhood. In other words, don't jump ship. I like the thought, you can't outrun a problem when the problem is partly you. (laughs) You can't. God wants to use the difficulty to change you, if you'll endure it and not escape it. A 12th century leader, Anselm of Canterbury, he compared a restless believer to a tree that can't thrive because it's frequently transplanted and disturbed. Anselm warns us, if the Christian often moves from place to place at his own whim, or remaining in one place is frequently agitated by the hatred of it, he never achieves stability with roots of love. If every time a storm blows in, you pull up roots and you replant elsewhere, you'll never grow deep, stable, strong roots. Like a tree, the blessed man is planted. He or she has dug in for the long haul. But notice they're planted by the rivers of water. Notice notice again, a close proximity. As a tree needs water, the blessed man knows that he and his family need spiritual refreshment, spiritual strength. So what does he do? He positions himself by as close as possible to the source that he needs. There's not far for him to go to take a drink of what he needs. For us, this translates into scheduling our activities and creating a lifestyle that revolves around our church and hanging out with other Christians and studying God's Word. See, a good place to be is right by what you need. And Satan knows this. Why do you think it's so difficult some mornings to get your family to church? You can plan a day at the lake or an evening at the movies and the operation runs like clockwork. Everyone and everything cooperates. It's the perfect launch. It's the textbook takeoff. But make your destination a church service or a Bible study or a ministry opportunity. Make an appointment with God and all hell will break loose to interfere. People who don't believe in the devil are those who've never gotten serious about attending church. Demons make thwarting your involvement their priority. The kids will throw up and the dog will get lost and the car won't start. Everything works to sabotage your efforts. Why? Because the enemy knows how vital your connection to God's people really is. That's why he tries so hard to distract you. This is why I said earlier, spiritual growth is not the result of mysterious forces but deliberate 
choices. Our world crowds out what's important with a long parade of the trivial. I can say this now. My kids are grown. I've moved through that phase. But I know many people, one day they wake up and they realize they've invested thousands of hours at the ballpark brushing up on their kids' batting skills or they've made sure that their child made the first chair in the high school band but they did little to educate them biblically and grow them spiritually. Now they're unarmed for the challenges they face. Hey, I've coached my share of Little League and it is a worthwhile endeavor and I encourage you to do it. But it's all about balance. And frankly, I'm not sure I always struck the right balance. I know this. Visit the park. Visit the gym. Visit the theater. Visit the school. But plant yourself by the river. Make it a priority. Position yourself spiritually. Make it a priority. Be as near and live as near as possible to spiritual refreshment and spiritual nourishment. You won't regret it. Over the years, I've seen the outcome of those who positioned themselves properly and those who didn't. The results weren't often immediate, but they were certainly predictable. Those who sunk their roots in and around the people of God were able to draw from the strength of others, especially in times of difficulty, whereas those who never connected but drifted got gobbled up by the stresses and strains of living alone. You might not need the church right now or every Sunday. And you might think, oh, why should I hem myself in so close to the river? Why shouldn't I just move about and move away? But in the drought, and the drought will come, it comes to us all. It's the tree planted by the river that not only survives, but also thrives. Over the years, I've seen people desperately looking for a meaningful lifeline, but they have nowhere to run, nowhere to turn. Why? Because they never truly positioned themselves to receive the help that was available. They never laid down strong roots. One Thanksgiving, a second grade teacher told her class to draw a picture of that for which they were most thankful. Most of the kids drew turkeys and tables of food, but not little Douglas. Douglas, he drew a hand. But whose hand? Well, the class tried to guess. Some said it was the hand of God. Others said it was the farmer's hand who grows the food and raises the turkeys. Finally, little Douglas said sheepishly, Teacher, it's your hand. Tears came to the teacher's eyes when she recalled how often she had grabbed his timid little hand to walk him out to recess. She took it for granted, the attention that she gave Douglas, but he sure didn't. And hey, I want to say this morning, I'm thankful for your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand. Because there have been times in my life when I've needed a hand. And I'm thankful for yours. Often your hands have been God's hands to me. But if I had not been in position, I might have missed your hand. I'll never forget a survey done in a large church where the members were asked, Why did you join this church? Some 93% said it was because of the pastor. But when pressed, 
What if the pastor leaves? Will you leave the church? Again, 93% said no. And the reason why? Because we have friends here. Notice the shift in allegiance from the pastor to their friends. And this is the mark of a healthy church. I've heard it put, people aren't looking for a friendly church as much as they're looking for a few friends at church. They want to connect. We all want to connect. And that's what today is for, guys, to build some connections. Think about it. The church is the pit stop on the race to heaven. It's the reminder of the eternal. The church recalibrates our thoughts toward God from week to week. It feeds our soul. It puts us in touch with people who have the same desires. Where else can you go to unload a burden and find people who care? That's why you should never just come to church and not get involved. You should make this church the place you belong and become a part and sink your roots down deep into this church or the church God calls you to. I've heard it said, the world at its worst needs the church at its best. And for the church to be at its best... We need you. If the counsel of the ungodly gets shoved down your throat every day, if the path of sinners crosses your path more often than you'd like, if the seat of the scornful sounds like another name for the place where you work, well then make sure that you're planted by the rivers of water. But you can't really be serious about growing spiritually if you're not keeping yourself in the proper position to grow. Let me say it once more. Lives are not shaped by mysterious forces. Lives are shaped by deliberate choices. You need to sink roots for you and your family. Spiritual roots. Make sure that you position yourself to grow. 